0: This podcast is brought to you by the GOSH Learning Academy. Welcome to episode four of the Quality Improvement podcast series. Over this series of six podcasts, we will be joined by staff members of the GOSH Quality Improvement team. In today's episode, we will explore how to turn your ideas into tests of change. We're joined by Nuanthi and Caitlin, who are both QI coaches in the quality team. Nice to have you both
1: back. Thank you, Rian. We're glad to be back. So our theme for today is to explore, where do we go next? So I've understood my problem and I've got people on board. How do I start to progress my improvement project? Well, a nice mantra for us to speak about today is this, think big, start small, learn quickly. This is a concept I read about from an innovation advisor in the U.S. named Chunkha And I thought it was really relevant as something we use actually really regularly in QI, and it can help us to understand this next part of our improvement journey.
2: Ah, yes, that sounds really good, Caitlin. So what does Think Big mean?
1: Well, Think Big is all about coming up with ideas. Change and improvement can't happen without great ideas. But do you have to be creative or artistic or a genius to come up with a great idea? Definitely not. And there's this misconception around that you're either good at coming up with ideas or you're not. Exactly. We've
2: seen time and again in QI that this isn't just true. So how do we come up with great ideas?
1: Well, it doesn't have to be in a formal setting, like in a meeting or a brainstorming session. I think it's quite true that ideas are floating around all over the place. We just need to capture them. And we can do that by employing one of our greatest strengths as humans, listening. Listen to what your colleagues are saying, to what your patients and their families are saying. How about those corridor conversations? If we open our ears, we're sure to find great ideas all around us.
2: I think that is so true. Thinking about your colleagues, you're bound to have a heap of experienced people around you at GOSH. And they'll all have lived experience and seen what works and what doesn't. But something we often forget is that our newer, less experienced colleagues have a brand new perspective with fresh eyes. Use their powers when you're looking for those great ideas as well as those experienced heads.
1: Yeah. And and how about looking around and observing as a way to come up with great ideas? You're all most likely to do this, you know, really well in your day-to-day jobs. But a couple of things to consider are looking at how things are done elsewhere. Think about other industries or maybe even other trusts. Think about your experience as a patient as well. That's a great tip. A great place to find out about other improvement work happening outside of gosh is the Q community. Google that phrase if you want to know more about that.
2: Oh yes, I love the Q community, a great collaborative space. And I also think it's a great place to see what others are doing and have done on you know, various topics, as you said. Another key point for us when we think big, often our improvements are most successful when there are system changes that don't really rely on an overhaul of human behavioral changes. Don't be afraid to activate that blue sky thinking as a starting point to your great ideas. Education and training is often going to be a key part of improvement in healthcare, but one of our biggest challenges with that is the sustainability aspect. By thinking from a systems perspective, you're almost future-proofing your improvements to ensure things continue to get better and
1: don't go back to the way they were. We have this simple example, which we like to use to show how just rearranging the steps of a process can help overcome human factors to make improvements. And this is around ATMs. So in the past, the cash would come out before the card. And this led to people very frequently leaving their bank cards behind as they'd consider the task to be finished once the cash was dispensed. And perhaps because this was due to people considering they'd maybe accomplished what they'd sort of come for. By changing the order to have a bank card come out before the cash, ATM users will rarely forget their card as they see the end point of the task as receiving the money. So this is a great example of this human factor element and how we can rethink a process to avoid error. Nice one, Caitlin.
2: So moving on to implementing this brilliant idea that you and your stakeholders came up with, that is going to be our next step. So how do we approach this implementation? And that is where start small comes in. You might have plenty of good reasons to want to implement your idea quickly. Maybe you've seen that it's worked perfectly well elsewhere. You saw some initial data that looked promising, or you would have had so much enthusiasm and energy from your stakeholders
1: that you were absolutely
2: certain that this idea would work.
1: Yes. And sometimes something that works well in one place might not work the same in another. Each situation or place presents so many variables that may not be visible at a glance. We also have to appreciate the very complex systems we work in. So one change we do in one place can have serious knock-on effects elsewhere. So let's take a real-life example, maybe a common one that we can all kind of relate to. I wanted to lose some weight, so I decided to join a gym. And it had worked actually really well for me previously. I'd joined a gym before and I'd, I'd lost some weight. And I felt pretty confident that it should have the same results for me now. But with some of the knowledge that I have of QI, and I also wanted to try out the start small philosophy, I decided to opt for a monthly rolling membership rather than paying up front for a full year. And I'm glad I did, because once I started going to the gym, I struggled to get there as regularly as I had done the last time I was a gym member. Actually, the gym was too far from my house, and I had a different work pattern, and I had some more family commitments than the last time. So in this case, I could pull out, learn from the experience and join a new gym that was closer to home and more convenient for me. Thinking about this in a healthcare setting where resources are tight at the best of times, it's difficult to come back from a one-off across the board implementation, at least not without detrimental effects. And they might be detrimental effects financially, or maybe they've negatively impacted or affected the stakeholders we'd engaged, or sometimes even in our context, impacting patient safety or quality. Now with the process I've just described, and if we're now applying it in a, maybe a healthcare setting, I'm sure some people might be wondering, it sounds pretty time consuming. Is it, is it worth the effort? Mm,
2: I think our experience says it is worth the effort. The time consumed is actually planned time, which is very different from going full on with the best interest at heart, but facing difficulties and then disengagement or no success rates. One example I have come across, I think um, KFC in India, which is seemingly a brilliant idea for many people, didn't really take off that well in India in their first try. After launching two stores, they had to pull back and return a few years later, waited till one outlet made profit before expanding. There was so much to learn and unpick. Many times full implementation doesn't mean fast or successful implementation. The good thing is, Once you get it right in one place, others want to be part of it too. they see the benefit and this is really helpful creating that pull rather than you having to push, which is great on your resources as well. The one thing to remember is that doing these cycles of change doesn't really mean you have to spend loads of time on one cycle. These can be as soon as you feel you have enough evidence to make changes or see that it works.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the learn quickly concept comes in from our mantra from the beginning. So in our cycle of change, once we've started small, it's natural for us to plan what we're going to do. And part of that plan is going to be thinking about how we know if our small change is working and identifying all of the things we want to watch out for that will tell us our change is effective. So while we're carrying out the first small change cycle, we want to take notes of what's happening and where it's going on. We want to be sure to look at the successes and things that are going well, along with the things that don't go so well. We want to properly analyze and study the results of our change idea. Data is extremely important here. And once we've reached this stage, we come to an important sort of landmark in our change cycle. Are we going to adopt the idea, adapt the idea or abandon the idea altogether? And the shrewd listeners among us might have heard of this adopt, adapt, abandon principle before. And it is that key landmark because this is the point in our cycle where we're going to decide how well our idea works and then act on that accordingly. So with some luck, it works perfectly and your data validates that and you decide, yes, let's adopt this as a way of working and sort of continue on. But what's perhaps more likely is that part of your idea works, but you might need to adapt a few things or tweak your idea. Take our previous example of joining a gym. I learned that a rolling monthly membership was the right option, but the location of the gym wasn't. So in my next cycle of change, I'm going to test joining a gym that is closer to my home. Lastly, and also a very common result, we may abandon the idea altogether. Now by letting an idea go, we're able to still take away learnings, but very quickly move on to testing other ideas that have maybe a better chance of working. And this is absolutely not a failure. In fact, it's encouraged. So hopefully we're starting to see that with small cycles of changes, tested quickly with learnings identified and data validated and acted on, we're able to successfully identify what works and what doesn't. And what this looks like in terms of scale could be maybe starting on one ward or with one cohort of patients or on one shift and adopting incremental cycles of change as you keep learning and adapting and looking at your data. So once that's all working well, you can then move on to a bigger level, maybe multiple wards at a time or testing during a week of shifts and so on. And this is exactly how we rolled out the sepsis six protocol in the trust a few years ago. First, starting with one word, then three, then a division before trust-wide rollout. The good thing about this, Caitlin, I think it certainly takes off the
2: pressure of committing to launch a perfect idea in one go. All what you're doing is testing. While you do this testing, you have incredible opportunity to gain that buy-in from those who are the users of this idea as well. This definitely helps in the long-term sustainability of the idea. One key factor that determines the success of each cycle, I think as you said as well, is the use of data. At each cycle, we need to know what will show that we are actually improving and making the difference. The use of data to inform QI projects
0: is a whole exciting topic and we will discuss that in our next podcast. Thank you so much, Caitlin and Yuanthi, for that brilliant run through on how to turn your ideas into tests of change. If you'd like to learn more about how you can use QI to improve your service at GOSH, you can find lots of information about the team on our GOSH Quality page. By visiting this page, you'll also be able to navigate the GOSH Quality Hub, where you'll be able to find a fantastic range of tools and resources to help you get started on your improvement journey. Do keep an eye out on GOSH Den for upcoming QI courses and, of course, follow the quality page on Twitter at Quality at GOSH. We hope you'll join us next time for the fifth part of our quality improvement series. See you then.